Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, here with my good friend and co-host, Christian Ubius. Did you forget my name? No, Christian. You took a very dramatic pause there. I thought for a very serious moment, because I like to throw you fastballs for curveballs from time to time, I thought about introducing you as Vengeance, because today oh. we're talking about Vengeance himself. We're talking about the Batman. That this is true. We, we <laughs> I am vengeance. Yes. <laughs> I my that's probably my favorite quote from the new movie, and it's in the trailer. So no spoilers for you, extra spoilery sensitive folks. But as we mentioned last week, we are kicking off our Batman blend of the month here in March. The Batman has just dropped in theaters. It's opening weekend. Christian and I were able to see it on Thursday nights. I still am a little resentful you dragged me to the theater at 11 p.m., but... I, you invited yourself! <laughs> this is true. I don't... What do you mean <laughs> I dragged fair, you? To be fair, plans were in fact coming together, and Christian, you had plans to see it with previous guests on the show, your roommates, Timmy and Tyler, and so I I attended with another friend of ours, friend of the show, Paul Yoder. We all went and saw it together, and it was a good time, would you say, Christian? It was a good time. It was a good time. It was a good time. And we'll get into more of your specific feelings on the movie, but at least the experience was enjoyable, even if I sat there at one point and was like, it's 1.45 in the morning, and I'm watching watching the Batman, but we we survived. We made it through. We got to our beds that night, (laughs) even if it was a long night. So, Christian, Batman, blend of the month. What kind of connection do you have to Batman? I mean, were you excited when I introduced this as a blend of the month for us? I have... Okay, uh, I have not necessarily the strongest connection to Batman, the character. I have a very strong connection to Christian Bale. <laughs> One of my dads, as, as I have said <laughs> I so many, so many times before. going to mention that if you didn't, of course. But the the... The idea, I think, that it, it was Christian Bale's performance in Batman that made me love him. It, and, I mean, he's been in a lot of things. He has had many amazing performances. But for some reason, it was the the billionaire playboy Bruce Wayne, the voice of Batman, that made me, in whatever teenage boy mind I had at that point, think this dude is the most awesome dude ever. Were you like me, Christian, in that you, after you saw The Dark Knight for the first time, ran around with your friends, saying everything in the Batman voice? Was that you? No, I had just a teensy bit more self-respect. Oof. Ouch, Christian. That's not very nice. We were like 13 when that movie came out. Oh, I know. It's more of an insult for everyone who's trying to listen to this (laughs) podcast. Great. I, I you know myself. how many times I need to hear someone say, I'm Batman, to me? I'm Batman. Oh, wait till we get into it when we eventually talk about one of Christian Bale's Batman movies, I'm sure. I'll do the whole episode in that voice. But I myself, I'm not sure when my relationship with Batman began. I have always enjoyed superhero stuff. I think for a lot of, of kids, you get into superheroes at some point. But I never saw the Tim Burton movies. In fact, I didn't see... Batman, the you know first Tim Burton movie, until uh, it was the first movie I watched with HBO Max, whenever that first dropped on our world. And I had seen some of the movies in the past, but it really was those Nolan Batman movies that got me invested in the character. And I started reading comics in college. I was a little bit late coming to that as well. But I've definitely become more of a Batman fan, although as much as I love him and consider him my favorite superhero or comic book character, I'm still not even a completist by any stretch of the word. There are major Batman movies I still haven't seen, like Batman and Robin (laughs) with uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger there and, and George Clooney, of course. Uh, But I'm really excited for this month because when a new Batman movie is coming out, unless it's part of the DCEU, sorry to Ben Affleck, it's typically a big moment for me. So I'm really pumped for this month to maybe cross off some blind spots, engage some old favorites, and first discuss this new movie that I was absolutely just buzzing with excitement for. I will, I I mean, like, yeah, it's the joke of, sorry, Ben Affleck, and the DCU movies regarding, you know, Batman and Superman have been largely misfires. I'm not saying misfires in terms of what other people think. I've mostly just disliked them a lot. But the, the, <laughs> the I, I will say, Ben Affleck is not a bad 
Batman. Michael Keaton is not a bad Batman. Christian, ba and I'm saying not bad with that to try not to betray like the degrees to which I like them all, but I like all of them really. I, I I can see a universe in which there had been a Batman movie that centered on Ben Affleck as the older Batman, like the wiser Batman, maybe even training like a Nightwing or or a Robin. So it I don't think there has been a significant miscasting in Batman, and I think that everyone is, you know, portraying this guy who comes from a corrupt city, who's at different stages of life, who's trying to help the city, and it's always relatable to some extent. Right, and I am curious to talk about both Robert Pattinson's portrayal of Bruce Wayne and Batman here, as well as the movie itself, because it's not entirely new of course we've seen a lot of batman on the big screen and on the small screen if you're a, a batman animation fan but there there is a lot of new stuff here in terms of this portrayal nothing completely fresh but still a lot of interesting new new uh ideas to engage with to grab hold of and to talk about so i'm looking forward to getting into that before we dive into our review, of course, Christian, let's get some key details out of the way for those folks who are living under a rock or maybe just forgot. Of course, The Batman was directed by Matt Reeves. Co-written by him, too. Yes, co-written by him and Peter Craig. And as we noted, stars Robert Pattinson taking on the cowl, also featuring a pretty large cast of famous people, but the most notable People within it are Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, Paul Dano as the Riddler, and Jeffrey Wright taking over the role of James Gordon. There, Gordon. There's Colin Farrell as the Penguin. Of course, unrecognizable Colin Farrell as the Penguin, as so many people have talked and tweeted about. But before we get into our review for this, Christian, what was your level of anticipation for this specific movie? Because as I mentioned, I was pretty much buzzing with excitement, and there are a few reasons for that, but... What about you? What what were your thoughts going into it? I uh, I don't think I cared that Robert Pattinson was cast. I wasn't one of the people who hated that Robert Pattinson was cast. And there are people out there who are who were when this announcement came out, absolutely not. That's the guy <laughs> from Twilight, which is insane considering the the last Twilight movie came out how many years ago at this know, point? Like 2012 been... or something? Uh, 2014, I don't know. Yeah, if not 10 years, almost 10 years, and he's been making movies, so many movies since then. <laughs> and, and, and and yeah, I mean, I love him in Tenet. I love him in Good Time. I love him in a lot of stuff, but I, him as Batman, I, I maybe I didn't see. I just didn't really care about. The trailer showed me emo Batman. And I don't... I, I guess I was perplexed. I didn't know why they were doing emo Batman. And, and without, again, spoiling my thoughts, this is a very emo Batman. This <laughs> this this is this really is. The, the first pictures of him as Bruce Wayne not wearing the Batman suit with his hair in his face and the eye black running down his eyes had people, <laughs> some people all excited and some people in stitches laughing at emo Batman like you are describing. So I, I respect Matt Reeves. I like the Planet of the Apes movies he has done. I love Cloverfield. I, I guess, I, I don't know, it wasn't necessarily the highest on my priority list, but I was intrigued. So that's how I came into the movie. Well, then I'm looking forward to our discussion because obviously your perspective is a lot more tempered than mine. And so for me, I had high expectations. <laughs> and when you go in with expectations very high, obviously there is a chance that you get let down. And when you're coming in with your perspective, there's a chance, you know, you sort of have a 50-50 shot. There's a chance you might be let down, but there's a chance you could also be pleasantly surprised by how much you enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to getting into our discussion here, Christian. And without further ado, here is your opening question. I'm glad that you just spent some time talking about emo Batman because I really want to start with the man at the center of the frame, that being Robert Pattinson, of course. And there's been a lot of discussion about him in this role from people who were still living in Twilight World and mad that he's in it to people who have been following his career very closely and were really excited to see his take on the character to people who were cautiously optimistic and, and just curious about what he could do. And so 
Many Batman superhero, really, superhero-style stories often are made or broken on the person portraying the central character. And Batman is often like this, where some movies are derided not just for their goofy plots or bad villains, but because it seems the actor playing Bruce Wayne is checked out and disinterested. And other movies like Nolan's Batman trilogy are built on the backs of everybody being bought in, including Christian Bale. And so, my question to you, Christian, was, er, is, did Robert Pattinson work for you? Was he a compelling Bruce Wayne? Was he an invigorating Batman? Or was it on these on the backs of everybody else around him to carry the movie for you? He was a compelling figure, definitely. And I would want to know more about him. And if, if the franchise that they... Strongly and strongly is actually too too weak of a word to say that they they recommend there's going to be more movies in this world. Uh, I, I'm I'm interested to see what more is done. I am going to say, despite how I think Robert Pattinson's a good actor, I think it was more him as a presence that I enjoyed. Does that make sense? It it does obviously. When you're casting somebody for a movie star part, you want someone who can bring a presence and, and not just be a technically gifted actor. So are you meaning to say that you didn't necessarily love the performance, but you appreciated what Pattinson brought to the movie like charisma-wise? Or could you clarify? I don't think that they they did a lot with backstory with him. There are very few times that we see Robert Pattinson outside of the Batman suit. He's in the Batman suit for a majority of this movie, and when we talk about the fact that this is a three-hour-long movie, that's a lot of time that he's in the suit. We're not seeing him, you know, as Bruce Wayne. We're not spending time with Alfred. By the way, Alfred, played by Andy Serkis, who we get, like, five minutes of screen time for. Yeah, I will say, uh, pretty thankless role for our guy Andy Serkis, and I'm hoping if there is a sequel to this movie that he gets a little bit more opportunity down the road. And there are there are hints at, at, at his his trauma, and clearly his trauma is what's guiding him and pushing him forward in this vigilanteism. But I, I I guess I don't see enough of him to be able to make up my mind. He's honestly just a very brooding character, and there's nothing wrong with being a brooding character. But this movie is much more so about him as a, as an unstoppable force against an immovable object, and that being the corruption of Gotham. And w when you get those two against each other, it's not him that I'm caring about. It's about what happens when he's fighting that I mostly want to do. And I think he did a great job in that. I'm not going to say I think he was the best person for the role, but I, I, I th that's not what I came to this movie for. That's not what I came out of this movie liking. I'm not going to be like, oh, that scene where he entered the nightclub as Bruce Wayne. Oh, that, like, that's not, you know, what, what's getting my attention. Interesting. So if I can, if I can actively and reflectively listen here or reflexively listen, you're saying that you wish there was more, in a way, more backstory and more Bruce Wayne than the balance we got, which notably, this is a very Batman heavy movie in that he is constantly wearing the costume and there are a very few scenes of Bruce Wayne out of costume, even in the Batcave, very limited Batcave time, and honestly, not much of a Batcave at all in terms of a set. Uh, very different in terms of previous Bat films as well. So is that is that what you're getting at? I don't think so. I think that this movie didn't really seem to rely, or, or it wasn't on the back of the Batman. It was on the corruption of Gotham. It was on what led everyone to be here. And as much as this movie is called The Batman and he's doing some very heavy lifting in terms of detective work here, it's not really a movie that's centered on him the way that every single other Batman movie is. I I guess I, that's, I don't know, that's a confusing point to me because he's obviously in almost every scene of the movie and <laughs> constantly on screen. And I, I actually, one of the things that I enjoyed the most about The Batman is the journey that 
Bruce Wayne goes on in this story. And I think it's, it's, it's very well done in terms of the beginning point where we find him and the end point where we leave him. And I, a lot of that comes from Pattinson's performance and, and this emo Bruce Wayne and brooding Batman. Uh, it, it, a lot of it is working... Um, a lot of elements are working in concert with that, both in terms of the actual story being told, and a lot of that is on the strength of Reeves and Craig's script. The world of Gotham, which I want to spend some time talking about as well, but I really, really enjoyed Pattinson in this movie, and I was pretty optimistic, considering I am aware of how much he is beloved these days, especially in more of a, I guess, a film Twitter side, or at least in more critical circles, people who are keeping up with his performances in things like Good Time and not just watching the big movies that he makes. So I was really excited about this, and he completely won me over. I really dug the performance here. And so I, I disagree with you, I guess, that... Um, it's not as much on his back, but to that point then, let's talk about some of the other facets of this movie. And I'm curious as to what you think about Gotham then, as a as a setting. Because to me, this is one of the best Gotham cities we've ever gotten. Okay, look, man. Go- we need a we need to give up on Gotham. What? We need it. <laughs> we Gotham's gone. And and that's the point that the movie is actively fighting against, that as far gone as a city is, or as far gone as something is, you need to try and fight for it because humanity can still live on. I get that. And the way that it does, that it pushes for that point is wonderful, honestly. It's a very dark movie. And not just in terms of tone, though it's very dark in terms of tone. Like, there's not a lot of lighting, light in this movie. It's shot almost entirely... At night, like, there's rain at various different points. Even see, yeah. the moment, uh, a great action scene later in the movie that is featured in the trailer where there is no lights at all. It's simply people's guns going off that light up <laughs> the fight that Batman is engaged in. And so it's it's good, but... but Oh, what's, 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 the, what's the best way to say this? The city that we see is, is almost entirely bad and what they are suggesting is that there is humanity still that you need to fight for but we don't get to alleviate any of the bad parts of gotham with any of the good parts of gotham the most we get is catwoman wanting to to care for her friend the most we get is the mayoral candidate who and it's also kind of like a thankless role because yeah. she, she actually has great line readings. And I think she actually has a wonderful presence and she's in there for two minutes. Yeah, that's Jamie Lawson playing a mayoral candidate by the name of Bella Real, who's a young black woman running against the incumbent mayor. And we, we get pockets of sunshine and who Thomas Wayne, Bruce Wayne's father, is. But Gotham is just a black pit. And at the end of this movie, and without spoiling anything, when he, when Batman goes, I can't be vengeance anymore, I need to be hope, I didn't, like, I wasn't won over by that hope. Like, I didn't really see it there in in anything that I'd seen so far. It was just a morally decrepit town that some people are trying to win uh, and and I, I didn't get the sense that you, someone should keep fighting for it. Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing about Gotham City in that most Batman-related media you get, be it a comic book or a TV show or a movie, there is a great tension between Bruce Wayne and Batman and Gotham. And Batman is constantly being asked if he wants to leave Gotham, he should leave it behind, he should stop fighting for it, he won't be able to save it. And that's kind of the point. And that Batman and he won't ever actually be able to save Gotham. Part of the I'm gonna I'm gonna storytelling give a counterpoint to what you're saying though. Part of the storytelling tension at least is that struggle and doing what he can. But there are moments of hope in other Batman movies. The Maggie Gyllenhaal character in in The Dark Knight. Who dies, we should mention, who is blown up. (laughs) We're going to discuss The Dark Knight later, so let me not 
go into that. The people on the boats in the Dark Knight, in the Dark Knight Rises, Commissioner Gordon, or the um, guy that Batman kind of takes under his wing. The they or in in Batman Begins, the the person who was replaced by Maggie Gyllenhaal, who is like st- <laughs> Katie Holmes, pour one out. Katie Holmes who is fighting for it. And there are moments of light that, despite the fact that corruption has won in this city and is winning the battle in this city, I can latch on to those and say, no matter how long it takes, let's fight for it. So then I'm confused at your resistance because I think this movie, this edition of Batman, does a compelling job of setting up that tension. And we do get a a darker, more grimy, more corrupt Gotham than we've often seen, at least in the filmed versions. And there are visions of Gotham like this in the comics, for sure, in terms of the fact that the city almost comes alive against Batman. And I'm thinking a lot of the Court of Owls storyline. I'm by no means a, a completist of comics when it comes to Batman. But Court of Owls storyline is such... A, I'm glad you've read that. It's, it is incredibly good. If you're not a comics fan and you want to try something, check it out. But uh, we're literally... There are people in the background pulling the strings in Gotham and coming out of the woodwork to take down Batman. And that is how this movie feels at times, where it feels like the city is, you know, it's very cliche to say the city's a character, New York's a character in this movie. But in a way, Gotham City kind of is. And that immovable object that you talked about coming up against Batman, especially this early in his career, when you find out it's year two of what he terms the Gotham Project. So year two for Batman this almost insurmountable goal he has of trying to wash it clean, that's what's so compelling because by the where he lands in this movie, and, and maybe we can talk about spoilers near the end, but where he lands in this movie in terms of hope versus despair, hope in the, the face of a, a challenge like this, and even vengeance as a, as a goal, how he has feelings on that change. I think it was pretty compelling. And there's a, a shot I've seen from the movie that's going around Twitter already because it's, number one, it's visually exciting and striking, but also ties directly into this theme with, with Batman holding a flare up and walking with some with kind of a crowd of people behind him. And so I'm disappointed that you didn't find, or that you didn't see the, the elements of hope that you're looking for. And, and it's not just in... Pattinson's Batman, I think it's also in Real, uh, the mayoral candidate, who doesn't get a ton of screen time, and hopefully she can become a character if there's more movies and stories told in this world, but she is someone who is very current, (laughs) and her political priorities are, I would say, drawn directly from some of the louder and increasingly diverse voices that we're having in politics today, especially on the, the left side of the aisle, the progressive side of the aisle, people who want real change. And she is the person standing in for those values here in this movie. And so, although it's not, if there's no big, grand gesture, like they're constantly featured throughout Nolan's Batman movies, I think that that element is still there. And it, it although it's a bit of a flicker for most of the movie, I, that's, I guess that's why I found this version of Gotham so compelling. There is still that flicker of hope in spite of how insurmountable the odds seem. So the 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 thing that I really enjoy about the movie is is when Batman is fighting. The action sequences in this movie I think are incredible. The the thing about these action sequences though is I'm not sure who to root for because i haven't been given enough of a grasp to root for them christian are you watching a batman movie without rooting for batman (laughs) yeah i I mean yeah i i yo riddler was pretty good oh my gosh christian (laughs) No, no 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 But but what that's actually scary, guys. If you're out there, please don't don't take me saying that Riddler is pretty good to root for Riddler. Don't do that. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no. please don't root for the serial killer villain at the center of this movie. No, the the idea though is that the car chase scene, which is phenomenal, honestly, five out of five. That car chase scene, it, it's so good. The grimy fight sequences, fantastic. Uh, someone pointed this out. To me, well, they didn't have to, but someone said it better than I could. All of the good action scenes were in the trailer. And so when you were watching this movie, you were kind of waiting for it. And it paid off, honestly. Even though they showed us like the best action scenes in this trailer, um, they fleshed out the rest of it. And the rest of it was incredible. 
Right. I, I even noticed there is that, that shot that was much discussed in the trailer of the penguin driving away, exclaiming how he got you, he got Batman on this car chase. And then the Batmobile comes roaring over the obstacle in its way. And even that scene in particular is much more elongated in the actual movie that that specific shot <laughs> is specifically probably twice as long as it is in the trailer. It's it's fantastic. Uh, and, and I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to belabor the point that I didn't find a hope in Gotham because even though I didn't find hope in Gotham, the action that resulted from someone trying to fight what to me seemed like a solo battle was awesome. Like, honestly, it was, was pretty entertaining. With the only drawback being every time he wasn't fighting, every time there wasn't sequences, every time it was detective work Batman, I thought the movie lost its momentum, lost its steam, and didn't justify its three-hour runtime. So I, I have to be honest here. I am a little bit, I'm a little bit on your side, but I'm sort of one one foot in the door, one foot out. Because I will say, if I have any major criticisms for this movie, it it's that it does feel a little bit bloated, and I was a little bit concerned about that 176 minute runtime. You told me you would be down for a six hour runtime. Uh, well, I probably would be, but I would in that I would still see it in theaters. Although I have, I've still not seen at Zack Snyder's PM? Justice League. Uh, no, I wouldn't see the movie at 11 p.m. Still haven't seen Zack Snyder's Four Hour Justice League, but that's because the bad. original Justice League sucked hard enough that I'm staying away. But I'll watch it eventually. I, I will I will agree with you. This does feel a little bit bloated at times. And I think a pretty common criticism I've heard is that there's multiple endings in, in that there are a number They're of like areas six, seven, that yeah. maybe could have ended. Oh my goodness. And then it keeps going. And there also, in some respects, it feels like some of the detective work, which I found it sounds like a lot more interesting than you did and enjoyed quite a bit. You also could have gotten to the point a little bit quicker. So I will say, I'm, I'm not going to disagree on this movie feeling bloated. This I mean, I, I'm not an editor. I don't know how to have trimmed this. I'm not a script doctor, but uh, still, I, I do wish they would have tightened up some of these sequences and cut off a little bit from the end, perhaps, but the detective work, which I was told all the critics are talking about going into it, it's more of a detective movie. It's like a crime thriller, not just a superhero story, and I I found that to bear out and to be true, and I really enjoyed the getting to see an actual detective Batman, because he is so often just fighting bad guys or rehabilitating himself at the bottom of pits, like in Dark Knight Rises. And in this movie, we get to see actual detective work done. And he pals around with, with Jim Gordon, and they go over clues, and they solve riddles that the Riddler's leaving behind. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I didn't lose momentum at all in some of these, in, in most of these scenes, especially when it feels like there's a good flow to it in that Reeves knows, uh, you know, as director, when to slow down and get into some hard-boiled detective work and then when to pick it back up with an action scene. Because while the best bits of action were maybe featured in the trailer, which is unfortunately often what trailers become these days, there are still a, a lot of sequences that break up the detective work. And I, I mean, right now I'm thinking about the fight at the Iceberg Lounge, which is this bar that the Penguin and Carmine Falcone and other denizens of Gotham languish in. Um, and, you know, Batman just knocks in the front door and beats some dudes up while he tries to get what he wants. And it's moments like that that I, that I actually enjoyed. Not just, not just the detective work, not just the action. There was a good flow to it. Did you not feel that at all? I don't think it flowed that well. I, and... The thing is, even some detective scenes, sure, I, I could have I could have enjoyed, I enjoyed to an extent, but I don't think it flowed well from the action to the detective work back to the action because the pacing seemed all over the place. And even the ending, even the ending of the, I don't know, the movie, which had seven different endings, was fast-paced. <laughs> was fa Each of those endings was fast-paced, but to an extent. I I guess then, too, I, I want to get your thoughts then on, aside from the, the writing and the storytelling, I, the just the, the filmmaking. Because you can have this compelling story being told, but if it's uninteresting to look at, or even flat-out boring to look at, it's easy to get lost, especially in a three-hour movie. And the, the actual, you know, 
work put in by not just Reeves, but Greg Frazier, who did the cinematography here, Michael Giacchino, who did the score, and the rest of the Below the Line folks who are making the movie alongside Matt Reeves, I think turned in incredible work. And I've, people were excited about the look of this movie, knowing that Frazier's coming off uh, an Oscar nomination for Dune. Obviously, made these movies quite a while ago, but still... You know, the, the look and the feel of this movie also excited me as much as most of the action and most of the story. Because this is a, as we've talked about, a, a dark and gritty version of Gotham, which, yes, we've gotten before. But in terms of a color palette, it, it's, it, it's dark. There's lots of reds occasionally broken up. But still, there's this distinct visual identity. And that's what so many superhero movies lack these days. And it's just a common complaint about Marvel in particular, in that their movies are often great on story, great on character, good on humor, but very limited in their visual imagination. Pre okay, let, let, me, let me say this. The score I liked, I didn't love, but not at all because the score was bad. I just, the, the, there are movies in which the score really takes me. And for some reason, the score didn't take me away. <laughs> what, a, what about at least the... the what, you, what are your feelings on that? The new... Like, not new, I guess, but for this movie, Giacchino's Batman theme. The one that kind of sounds like the Emperor's March from Star Wars? <laughs> I wouldn't say that because that's much much higher uh, t much higher tempo <laughs> than this. It's the... the it it feels notes, like a slowed-down Darth dun, Vader dun, theme. Dun, dun. Done. <laughs> Do you understand that you kind of just did part of the Darth Vader theme? Well, yeah, but that's dun 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 dun. dun, dun. It's so much faster pace, Christian. Come on, just because it's low and a few notes doesn't mean it's like the Imperial March. But I see what you're saying. Okay, no, the the uh, <laughs> look the where Matt Reeves puts this camera, I think is fantastic. Really, I mean, he's a very good stager of sequences, both. Detective they're, and action, especially. They're so innovative. The car chase scene is not how you would normally put a camera for a car chase scene, and it made it so much more thrilling because you're watching it from weird angles and obstructed views and with, like, a wet lens and upside <laughs> down, and it's phenomenal. Any any particular moment that you're thinking of from that car chase? Because, obviously, there are those moments when the, the smoke trailer, but... comes, but you see the ramp, and then you follow the car up the ramp. Okay, yeah, that, that one got me. <laughs> that particular moment where, you know, you know in the trailer that Batman comes flying over the, the truck in his way, but in the movie itself, he... The smoke is starting to clear. He sees this opportunity for a ramp and flicks on his engine. Or it's already on, of course, but the, the boosters, whatever you want to call it. The rocket launcher. And especially, yes, in, in the theater, we got to see this in Prime at AMC. Shout out to the good people at AMC. And it, the sound in the theater, it just knocked you back in your seat. It was one of those moments that makes you so, so happy that movie theaters exist. It was incredible. And you're not just watching this on your phone. You would have gotten the same effect on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even so, it's this movie was so satisfying to watch in a theater. And I'm sure that I'll return to it in the future. I'm a Batman fan. But it's not going to be the same as seeing it in a theater. Not just with the giant screen and, and beautiful colors and beautiful people to watch. But but this the way this movie sounds is so satisfying. Both in the the ways that you know, gunfire can pop off into a scene or the, how these cars sound as they're revving the engine. The, the Batmobile especially is not like a tank <laughs> as it was for Nolan or sort of the cartoonish hot rod that it was for Burton, but it's a, a little more grounded in, in what a billionaire might actually be able to make without a, a weapons division <laughs> at his company. And there is a, a major engine in this thing, and when it revs, you feel it in your seat. And it, it's these kinds of things that make this movie so fun to watch in the theater. I, I, I will say and just something else on the technical part of Gotham. I loved at the end when we're when when the vans explode. Let's just go with there are some vans that explode. And you are in this one place with the mayoral candidate. And the different angles I mean, from the ground, from above, from a bird's eye view, through a plan with quick editing that we see this at, that's great. That's honestly fantastic to just see all of this part of Gotham. And it made me realize, I think this movie would have been much better 
would have cost more, though, if they had <laughs> opened up Gotham. Because we're in Gotham, we're kind of at Bruce Manor. We're Wayne, a lo- Wayne Manor. <laughs> Wayne Manor. <laughs> we're kind of at the nightclub that they go to. But outside of those, there was like some streets. And there's not so you much mean, else. When instead of opened up Gotham, you mean gone to more locations? Kitchens. Yes. Interesting. And because I thought it was so, so self-contained and packed um, that I I didn't... I, I wanted to see more of Gotham, more of the griminess. And I, let me amend that, we, because we did get shown a lot of interior places of Batman... I wish we had seen a lot more exterior, not Batman, interior places of Gotham. I wish we'd seen a lot of exterior places of Gotham, if if that makes sense to you. I mean, I understand what you're saying. I think I don't, again, I disagree on the point in, in that there are a few places we do return to. Obviously, the, the Iceberg Lounge, this this club where gangsters and and ne'er-do-well politicians hang out and the brief glimpses we get of Wayne Manor, but I... F- feel like there's enough variety in terms of places we go and, and whether it be you know places where the riddler is is hunting down a victim or batman going to a funeral for one of the riddler's victims and we can say without spoiling who it is but going to this funeral that's in this grand building in gotham city which again where it stands out in the movie because it's shot at daytime, which we don't get a ton of. Uh, but it starts at daytime, and then he becomes Bruce Wayne, and and it, and he becomes Batman, and it's back to night, of course, because he almost has that effect on the movie. So, uh, you know, I understand what you're saying, and again, I, I don't know if I agree as strongly. Before we wrap things up here, obviously we have uh, a pretty large cast of characters here, and I want to know your thoughts on a few performances in particular, especially if there were folks who stood out to you. So. We got to talk Zoe Kravitz. She is getting a lot of plaudits for this performance. And she was, uh, uh, she hasn't done a superhero movie like this before. I'm catching myself already. She was in an X-Men movie a while ago. So strike that from the record. But she, I, I, I will say, as someone that I've seen a lot of her movies she's been in, but I wouldn't consider myself super familiar with her or a fan of hers. But she, I would say, knocked this performance out of the park. Would you agree, or what were your thoughts on Kravitz's take on Selena Kyle? Uh, let me let me go with a yes and no in that she was phenomenal, but I think her character was underwritten. Underwritten? I don't think we got to see enough of her, and, and this is the main reason why. If you take her out of the movie, the movie I don't think is significantly different. I, I think that for her to be, to an extent, um, someone who wants to choose the dark side of Gotham and, and uh, Batman is trying to convince her to, to choose hope and to not morally decay, I don't think that her scenes had that gravitas despite the fact that her performance was wonderful. Man, uh, another point where I disagree. <laughs> Mostly because I think that she is a, a very her character is very important to the themes of this movie. And so I will say at this point, let me sort of spoil some of the thematic resonance of the movie. If you haven't seen it yet, sorry, go see it. Come listen to our episode after. But obviously in this story, we're seeing a Bruce Wayne young in his bat career, who is neglectful of Wayne enterprises is not very engaged in the community. He's very focused on being Batman, not on being Bruce Wayne. And he's very focused on vengeance. He constantly introduces himself as vengeance. He literally will say, I am vengeance to criminals. And by the end of this movie, he is a person who understands the role that he can have when his focus shifts from vengeance to hope and to helping others as opposed to fighting crime and part of that journey is selena kyle's catwoman and not just because of the the story beats they hit in terms of getting you know she sort of seeks vengeance for someone in her life as well and they team up in that and he helps her along in in that mission of course but she is a person who helps to start to break down his tough outer shell and there's a moment between them that is legitimately romantic like there is legitimate sexual chemistry in a superhero movie in in the year of our lord 2022 praise god and so that is why i i loved her take on the character so much let me counteract that though we are introduced to her character because she's trying to help her friend 
this friend whom we think is actually an important part in taking down this mole, this rat, who is one of the reasons why corruption is being so rampant in, 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 in Gotham, is unimportant. They are there for, I want to say, two, three minutes when the importance of, of their, of this, this, I, I, just, I don't know, she's, she's Russian, she had a name, I forgot what her name was. Annika. Annika. Annika's importance is undersold and is used there as a plot point to move Selena Kyle forward. Selena Kyle's father, who is another plot point in this movie, but we never develop the reasoning behind why she cares about who her father is. It is just kind of dropped in there. And Zoe Kravitz does 150% with what she's given, but in the context of how it's fit, like it, Fitting in with the rest of the story, I am left underwhelmed and unsatisfied by the character, not the performance. Well, then, Christian, I guess when it comes to Annika in particular, it's a detective story. Have you heard of a red herring? <laughs> like, not every plot thread has to be deeply significant. Then don't include it, because this, the, it's a three-hour-long movie, so why are we including it? it's a, a detective story. You need to have different threads. It can't be a straight line all the way through. And... Annika does have significance to the story, at, and she helps move Batman along, helps get her to Selina, helps get him to Selina Kyle, of course, who becomes very key in the rest of the story. And again, with a, a, a sprawling whodunit in a way like this, I guess it's not a whodunit, in a sprawling detective story like this, you can't have every plot thread kind of come together in the end. Some folks are going to be, it's going to be a red herring, or it's going to stop halfway and take you somewhere else. But I think that they hint too much that there is importance here or rely on it too much in certain scenes that the the gravity of it doesn't doesn't hit when when selena says over what you did to my friend i mean and that line that line doesn't hit me when selena has a confrontation with her dad and calls him her dad that line isn't hitting me despite the fact that it is a well-shot movie with good performances and well-directed. I mean, I, I guess there's only so much I can say. We've run into this time and time again on this podcast where there's story beats that, that are perfectly sufficient for me and not sufficient for you. And even if I don't necessarily understand your reasoning for some of these things, I... Do you I, not understand? I, I can understand you not agreeing with them, but is it that you don't understand them or that you don't agree with them? Uh, mostly not agreeing. And in, in that, uh, again, spoiler warning, I'm going to say a spoiler if you're still listening for whatever reason, spoiler... Selena Kyle's father is Carmine Falcone, who is this important mob figure in Gotham City, who we come to find out has been pulling strings all over the place and is deeply embedded in this story, up to and including involvement in the murder of Thomas and Martha Wayne in this Bat edition. And so I, he's not someone that I need to be... I don't need to spend a ton of time with Falcone to get that he's a, important to the story. And but, but, when it comes to Selena Kyle... we don't Kyle, get enough from him. We don't need that much. Like I do! That, I, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, 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 again, like, these... Part of the problem with these kinds of stories, too, is you're, you're applying on former knowledge of these characters. And so the reason there's no origin aspect of Batman and Bruce Wayne is because we've gotten it a billion times in other media. And so, I don't need an origin story. Exactly. I'm very glad they didn't do an origin so story. So you're dealing in characters that we've seen before, obviously, and part of that means they're relying a little bit on your understanding of these, or previous connection to these characters. And even if this is your first Batman movie, I still think there's enough to understand that Carmine Falcone is a bad dude. He's There's enough, uh, unfortunately, mostly telling, not enough showing, but a lot of telling about how important he is to other people and you would understand why selena kyle would be frustrated with his parenting in that there was not any and why she might have anger towards him as this father who didn't you know recognize her until she was an adult i'm i we need to wrap up soon and so let me counteract that with part of the movie that i th think did this right and hopefully did it right for not just me but for you Paul, Paul Dano's Riddler. Oh, baby, Paul Dano's Riddler. <laughs> I loved Paul Dano's Riddler. He was so fantastic, Christian. <laughs> and he is given a very basic backstory. He is an orphan, and he saw the way that people treated Bruce Wayne as an orphan and called him an orphan when he said, when you're living there and you have this money, you're not an orphan. 
me when I'm being packed into a room, that's an orphan. Those things with that basic backstory, with no overcomplication, I think was fantastic. But just like you said, there's a lot of telling in this movie. And so when they um, kind of snip that, the way that they did for Riddler, where we see how not, not necessarily evil, he is a serial killer, but the reason I don't want to say evil is because he's someone who comes across much more so as troubled, as troubled and kind of in need of compassion. I would say he's probably evil, but... Oh, okay, yes, 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 he's evil. Yes, he is evil, but I'm saying the, that... The time they, for meeting him with compassion was in the past, was unfortunately. In the, was, in, was in the past, but they want uh, they want us to, to see that he is a guy who was lonely, that he is a guy who wanted help and should have received help a long time ago. Yeah. And now he's just going to be locked up and there's no hope for him. And just, again, in terms of thematic richness for a character, the, what you specifically talked about, this orphan piece where he tells bruce wayne or he does batman about bruce wayne not knowing that it's absurd they called bruce wayne an orphan because he had all that money and lived in the fancy house whereas he was an orphan who lived in an orphanage with nothing and again it's introducing a you know a theme of class not obviously deeply interrogated in this batman story but again it's another piece of the puzzle and what gets bruce wayne to the realization that he does need to be more engaged in gotham city not just as batman but as bruce wayne and he's constantly told throughout the movie how he's not engaged in charitable pursuits like his parents were he's again not very focused on the company he's not spent doesn't spend much time as bruce wayne and so that's yet another piece through the riddler this crazed villain that works towards bruce wayne's development which i appreciated and i will say dano i think is a gives a great performance and it's a great example of a character that comes together from great writing and a great actor yes you can tell that it's he is adding a lot to what was on the page and so he's given great stuff to work with from from reeves and from his co-writer but also, he, as a great actor, is able to add on to it. And it's it's just a, a beautiful example of what I think villains should be going for in these kinds of, of movies, these big superhero stories. So I 100% agree with you on that one. Any other actors or performances that you want to point out before we start to wrap things up here? No, I'm good. I will say I really dug Jeffrey Wright as James Gordon. I liked him. He I is, liked him. He did yeah, a good job. He, he is quite solid, especially in, in being able to... Jeffrey Wright, quite solid. There you go, Jeffrey Wright, quite solid. But in being able to um, show this dynamic between a, a uh, Jim Gordon on the rise, a Batman on the rise, and how they form a partnership, often depicted, but this was still another fun edition of that. Colin Farrell, pretty fun as the Penguin. <laughs> He was fine. <laughs> Under he was all that fine. makeup and prosthetics. He's honestly probably the funniest character in the movie, which I wasn't necessarily sure, sure. expecting, but there's a decent amount, a surprising amount of humor in how dark and grim this movie can be. And outside of that, I'm sure we're forgetting someone, so sorry to that someone. But Christian, any final notes from you on The Batman? No. There is, there, there is an ending scene that I oh, do, don't think needed to be there. <laughs> you I know agree. why. And I read an article about that scene, like an interview with Matt Reeves, and it made me even more confused. But who knows? We don't need to talk about that. Yeah. Christian, I am curious because I have seen your star rating on Letterboxd for this movie, and it is higher than what I thought it would be based on our conversation here. So I will ask, would you recommend that people invest that three hours and go see this movie? Uh, uh, and yes, I would, but it, it's it's very much so with a warning. I for a lot of people, I don't think this is just going to be. This is just me. The great parts of this movie, which are truly great, are going to come sporadically. I don't think all three hours is great, and take that as you will. Probably don't watch this movie at 11 p.m. No, don't do that. <laughs> I will say, in, in some respects, I was a little bit wary of us having a Spider-Man No Way Home style conversation where that movie was one of your absolute favorites of the year, let alone just how much you enjoyed it on its own, whereas I was a little bit let down by it, though I still enjoyed it. And I was afraid we would have that kind of conversation with the Batman, and it seems like maybe we did, but I, I will say, it's still a movie that I... Not my favorite... Batman movie of all the Batman movies, but one that I liked quite a bit, and I'm already looking forward to watching it again someday. Who knows? Maybe I'll go see it in theaters once more, get some of that satisfying movie theater sound and giant screen while I still can. That is The Batman. It is available at your local multiplex, as I'm pretty sure every theater in the country is going to be showing it as many times as possible to bring in major, major money. So uh, Christian and I would both encourage you to go see it, myself a little more heartily than Christian.
Of course, our Batman Blend of the Month will march on. And before we get to our guy, Christopher Nolan, and your guy, Christian Bale, we got to go back to not the very beginning. You know, tip of the cap to Adam West and Burt Ward and <laughs> their comedic take on The Dark Knight. My other dad. <laughs> Adam West? No, 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 no. Oh, your, your, your other dad, of course, as we are going to be looking at the superhero film that arguably kicked off the latest craze. Maybe not. Maybe that was Superman. Who knows? But that is Tim Burton's Batman from 1989, starring Christian's other dad, Michael Keaton. Honestly, Christian, this will be a good month for you. We get a Michael Keaton movie. We get a Christian Bale movie. It's going to be a good time. Oh, 100%. And, I mean, as we're mentioning, we will get to The Dark Knight after that. And then I mentioned last week that I was still thinking about what we would do for our sort of final episode for this month. And so what that will be will actually be taking the form of a streaming recommendations episode, although not the same style we've done in the past. This will be Batman in animation because there's a ton of it. <laughs> so Christian and I will be catching up with some animated bat flicks on the side and bringing some that we think you should check out. So... That is the plan for Batman Month. I am very excited. It's going to be a good time. Christian, how are you feeling about checking out uh, your your two your two dads in the next few weeks? Are you feeling you feeling good? You feeling nervous about your opinions on these movies? What do you think? I hate that at the end of the year, when they're both inevitably nominated for Best Actor, <laughs> you're going to choose someone who isn't either of them. Oh my gosh! I probably will. Who knows? Thank you, listeners, if you've reached this point, of course, for listening along to the show. Obviously, uh, I was quite excited to watch this one, but even so, it's still fun to record our conversations here and share them with you. So thank you for listening along and for your support. There are a few things you can do to support the podcast. Number one, go ahead and give us a subscribe, a rating, and a review wherever you get your podcasts. Helps us grow and reach new listeners there, and we love to shout out new reviews that we get. You can also send us an email at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. We sincerely appreciate the listener feedback that we get as obviously we want to be talking about things that you want to be listening to. So if you have an idea for a blend of the month or a movie that you'd like us to cover and we can figure out the blend, go ahead and send that in. And of course, if you have any recommendations for Batman-related stuff that you want us to talk about, please send that in. We'd love to know if there's a Batman animated movie that you like that you want us to check out or even an episode or something of one of the shows because there's a bunch of those too. Send us your recommendations. I think that'd be awesome to check out your thoughts or at least to share them on the show here. So that's cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow myself and the show on Twitter, Christian on Instagram, and both Christian and myself on Letterboxd, where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things that we're watching. I'm working on a little Batman ranked list on Letterboxd. I don't have one of those yet. <laughs> so I'm putting it together. It's still private right now, but we'll get to it eventually. Christian, you got a bat you got a bat list? Um, I am uh, not really. I have I have an old ranking of the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. I'm probably going to watch both of the Michael Keaton Batman movies this month, and we'll see where I go from there. All right, sounds good. We'll have to get your uh, get your thoughts on those later. So next week, Tim Burton's Batman available on HBO Max or wherever you want to rent or borrow things. And until we do get there to that original vision of Gotham City, this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast. <laughs>